Chapter 30 Discovering Whether God is Really Good Look up, my fellow travelers, and behold a great yet astonishingly simple truth. God the Father is good. Astonishing, you say? How so? It is an elementary theological principle. Indeed, a theological principle, according to Valley Theologies, that then proceed to explain away its import. But here it is no mere doctrinal principle, but a live truth. It is goodness that is beginning to enable us to see with new clarity, for goodness is the very oxygen of the high mountains where God dwells. Most believers would say, of course God is good. When adversity comes, however, what do we do? Ordinarily, we do not rejoice. When suffering comes, we grumble and grouse and complain. If we truly believe the Father is good and believe that He is always doing His very best for His creatures, and if His goodness is truly one of the central truths of our being, then we will know all is well in the midst of any and all adversity. We will rejoice. The Father's goodness will be a truth we live in all the way, out to the end, even in the midst of suffering. When circumstances appear bad, we know otherwise, all the way to finality. When the rains come, they do not cause us to lose heart because our belief system is consistent no matter what. Suffering, crisis, heartache, natural disaster, even death abound in this world. Yet there resides in the depths of our soul a calm serenity and quietude. We know that God is still good, all the way to the end, to finality, absolutely, utterly. For the mature Christian, some of this outlook is hinted at. Yes, there exists a peace, even in dark circumstance. Yet when faced with the horrible, cruel, unjust suffering we witness around us, would we not admit to places deep inside where we find ourselves wondering about the totality of God's goodness? Perhaps such occasional doubts expose our seeming peace as something more like resignation rather than an energetic living trust. When I see the world's heartbreaking grief, the starving and dying all over our planet, the homeless, innocent victims of crime, the modern scourge of abortion, the seeming injustice of circumstance, the devastation of war, I have wondered how far God's goodness goes. Yes, I wrestle through the question of how far God's goodness extends. I struggled with it just weeks ago, after this book was already completed 
and into the production process. When we received a phone call from a dear young lady who had been living with us and had gone home for Christmas. My brother was killed last night, she said. As long as I had been walking with the Lord, I suddenly found myself face to face with the most fundamental issue of all, the extent of God's love. How could I, one who believed in the limitlessness of God's love and goodness, frame a meaningful response to our friends, the young man's stunned parents and brothers and sisters? The first thing that always comes to mind is, why did God let this happen? But God does not necessarily always let or not let such things happen. Things just happen. God does not cause pain and suffering. They are simply part of the equation of life. His sovereignty and goodness exist on a higher plane, giving meaning and comfort even in the midst of events that he will not control. But through such events, the good and the bad, his love and goodness, rather than his control of life's details, remain sovereign. Where is the end point, the limit, to God's goodness? Is it really, could it possibly, truly be infinite? What do I say to the woman whose letter I read just yesterday, who said, I know we were not promised fairness, but sometimes it just seems like God went on sabbatical and put out his do-not-disturb sign. He seems so far away and so unreachable. I have a difficult time trying to understand why he bothered to allow me to live. What do my wife and I say to ourselves when the private grief we share alone becomes insurmountable? Do I have easy answers for our friends who lost a son, for hurting people who write us, or for ourselves? Life is hard. Life contains pain. It is difficult to follow a good fatherhood all the way to finality. I'm not going to try to pretend it's easy. At some point for every one of us, that goodness threatens to break down. The rain begins to fall. We find our belief system facing the ultimate test. I've succumbed, as I'm sure all of you have, to the persistent human tendency to reduce God's goodness to the finite regions where my mind can figure it out, where I can box it up and define it, explain it, or try to understand it. How else do we deal with the seeming cruelty and arbitrary inconsistency of the Old Testament and the pain and suffering that exist in the world? How else do we try to cope with heartbreak in our own families? The struggle between humanity and eternity is real, painful, confusing, it's a conundrum of epic proportions.
we all engage in this intellectual tug-of-war at the foundation point of belief, or we glibly retreat into the intellectual dishonesty of saying, Well, that's God's will. It's not for me to understand. If we're capable of serious thought, and if we're honest with ourselves, we do limit God to our finite capacity to understand. The instant we do, however, we lessen our capacity to truly know Him as He is. We shrink Him to fit our mentality, rather than stretching ourselves past the husk, past the shell, into the high reaches of His infinite being and character. So what is the answer? It is not an easy one. But it is an answer that resounds with truth. God is good, and all will come right in the end. It may not come right tomorrow, but it will come right in the end. Somehow we must cling to that truth and learn to make it real. It is not easy. It is not easy for me. But I know truth is there that I must not let go of. One of the key steps, therefore, in the process of discovering how to live in God's fatherhood does not involve memorizing a list of traits, but discovering what those attributes really mean when followed to the end. My telling you, God is good, however, won't enable you to know and live in the truths of fatherhood. Goodness at that point is just a mere word, representing the shell around an attribute most of us would have to admit we still do not grasp very clearly, where suffering and cruelty slam against it. There are all sorts of theological shadow dances around such difficulties, but many of them make as much sense as the emperor's invisible robes and with similar results. We delude no one but ourselves with theologic double-talk. The world is not fooled, which is one reason, for the most part, it's not paying much attention. To live in God's goodness requires the following of that goodness to finality. Do you really believe the Father is good? In your brain, in your heart in all your thoughts and attitudes and beliefs and relationships and decisions, in how you view Scripture, in how you respond to the world, in everything? Now we're beginning to scale the high mountains of faith where intimacy begins to reward those who diligently seek Him. When we live and believe what we say we believe, Indeed, will the world take notice. This profound truth was revealed to me nearly 30 years ago when a friend who had just returned from Schaefer's Labrie in Switzerland was visiting with my wife and me. A calm was evident in his carriage, a new maturity. Judy asked him, if you had to boil it down to one thing you learned from your time at Labrie, what would it be? 
Our friend was quiet, very thoughtful. The air hung heavy in our living room with silent expectation. It was obviously a huge, encompassing question for him. When he finally spoke, his voice was quiet, but so earnest, with a quality of solidity and tenderness and love. His words carried a rock of Gibraltar strength. That God is good, he replied. None of the three of us said anything for a long time. We merely sat soaking in the depth and implication of his answer. That single word, good, rang with such quiet force and power that I have never forgotten the moment. Those four words have been with Judy and me ever since. Our friend had been a Christian for years, a solid, growing Christian. He had spent the past months studying, learning, reading. He had probably learned 50 new things about his Christian faith. But it all reduced down to one single element of God's fatherhood, which he no longer knew merely intellectually. He had gotten hold of it at a profoundly more personal level, and it had changed him. The principle had become a live truth. He had gazed more deeply into the thing called God's goodness and had found out something more about the life that was contained inside. At Labrie, the shell broke wide open and life came pouring out.